Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Get Your Goat podcast. Hope you all had a great weekend because we're going to have a great show for you lined up here. More about preseason football and what we have learned from the second week. The NFL has revealed players 40 to 11 yesterday in their top 100. Last week they revealed numbers uh, 41 to 100. This week was 11 to 40. Next week will be a reveal of a top 10. I react to that. And then because we know the list so far of 11 to 100, we know the top 10. So I'm going to break down if those 10 deserve to be it and give my ranking just based on those 10 players who the tops are before NFL's reveal next week. Then the NBA schedule is released. Get into that. And then my NBA power rankings, my top five teams in basketball as we are post-free agency, post-draft. The schedule's been released. We're seeing teams working out and prepare for the season, which we're just two months away from a quick turnaround this year. So we're going to get into all of that. Let's start with pre-season football. First game was the New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Patriots dominated that game, shut out the Eagles in the preseason 35-0. to zero. Both quarterbacks, I thought, looked really good. Cam Newton, 8 of 9, 103 yards, a touchdown, pass rating of 151. Mac Jones, 13 of 19, 146 yards, pass rating of 91. They both looked really good. Their rushing uh, backfield that they have looks good as well. Sony Michelle, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, J.J. Taylor. I mean, those guys look good. This team looks good. This defense uh, looks good. Another year of Chase uh, Winovich there, Kyle Van Wah, uh, Dante Hightower back, J.C. Jackson, a good corner. This team shaping up. It's strictly going to be on this receiving core, and can Nikhil Harry take a step up? Uh, Jacoby Myers uh, as well. Their tight end system that they have, will the receivers help out these quarterbacks as well? We saw what they did with Tom Brady. Didn't help out Tom Brady too much. We're going to see if they help out these quarterbacks, an aging Cam Newton and a rookie in Mac Jones, but I think a lot of things are working in favor for the Patriots uh, to be a fringe dark horse playoff contender. Then you had the Cincinnati Bengals and the Washington football team. Washington football team won 17-13. to No starts for Joe Burrow, but the football team looked good. Ryan Fitzpatrick was decent. Taylor Heineke they have a great defense that was on display. Even their backups uh, played well. Their second and third string guys. So another team that looks ferocious. And a Washington football team uh, that won the NFC East last year. I think they can still contend in that division this year. Then you had the Chiefs and the Cardinals. A game which I had the pleasure of going to and seeing right there. I wanted to see a couple things. Chiefs in kind of this new offensive line. Andy Reid promised the starters would play the first half, and he delivered on that. And then Kyler Murray saying before the preseason game that these aren't real games. 
he doesn't mind training camp, but let's just start the season. And my initial reaction to that was, you know, I get why you don't want to play preseason games and risk injuries and things like that, but it's also good because you don't want to get thrown into the fire week one. Yes, you know, you have reps against your defense in your schemes, but you don't have it on everybody when you have to adjust week to week. You know, it's just good to work some kinks out on offense or defense in preseason to kind of just finalize it and go full force week one. And I was proved right uh, in that game, really, uh, by both teams. I'll start with the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray saying he didn't want to play in that game, not real football. And he showed by that uh, offense that he had for the three drives that he was out on the field, three and outs. He did not look good. Didn't look like he wanted to play. Wasn't in sync with his receivers, with Christian Kirk or uh, any of them, Isabella. So his team didn't look good. This offense didn't look good. And Kyler Murray said after the game that, hey, you know, it was good to go out there and see what we need to work on, but we'll be good, you know, when it matters. Well, aren't you happy that you had come to the realization now that, you know, I'm glad I played in this preseason game because if we tried to run the offense like we did week one against the Titans, probably would be down by a lot. It probably would hurt us. So I'm glad that Kyler realized that, you know, you've got to work some things out. And I hope that he is ready week one because this is a big year for Kyler Murray. This is the leap year. Year three when he's supposed to be hitting his stride. We saw Josh Allen do the same thing in year three last year. Hit his stride, finished second in MVP voting. That's when we want to see a quarterback, you know, do well in year three. Saw Baker Mayfield do the same thing last year. Had his best year last year as well. It's all on Kyler Murray. It is they gave him the weapons. They gave him DeAndre Hopkins. They signed A.J. Green uh, to support him. They have Christian Kirk as well. They went out and signed uh, a running back as well to back up uh, Chase Edmonds and James Conner, a running back by committee. They have a good offensive line as well to protect Kyler Murray. So it's all on Kyler Murray. Yes, it is dependent on the play calling and coaching as well, but how are we going to see Kyler Murray react to defenses because this is a two-way street that he is on he has to adapt because the defenses are adapting to him and when you have quarterbacks uh, like Kyler Murray who likes to scramble and get out of the pocket like Russell Wilson you can get figured out Russell Wilson got figured out we had I mean my bad Russell Wilson is not figured out that's one I did not want to get into we saw Colin Kaepernick uh, get figured out by the opposing defenses. Uh, to me, even Lamar Jackson last year, and backing up his MVP campaign that he had, unanimous MVP, led the Ravens to a 14-2 and record. Yes, he was had some issues with COVID and receivers and such as that, uh, but you saw a lot of different packages affect him. It's going to be nice to see how he reacts this year to this. But the same thing with Kyler Murray. How is he going to react? As I said, Russell Wilson... Uh, scrambles, but he's always looking for an out pass. Uh, he has a great arm. 
huge arm, one of the best deep ball throwers in the game, which is why you really can't figure out Russell Wilson because you have such a tough time defending him, defending Patrick Mahomes. Is Kyler Murray going to be in that same conversation that we have about Patrick Mahomes, about Russell Wilson? Is he going to be those top-tier quarterbacks, or is he going to be the ones that fade and fall off uh, because if he can't do it on his legs, if he has to stand up and make passes, then he can't do it consistently. That's what we're going to find out this year, I believe, from Kyler Murray. And especially to me, what I saw from that Chiefs game is he has a tough time throwing on the run. Uh, we had that play last year, the play of the year, uh, the Hail Murray or whatever it was, uh, the Hail Mary pass to DeAndre Hopkins. But you see, yes, he was on the run, but he set his feet before he made that throw, throw, threw into it. Whereas when I was playing him against the Chiefs, they had inside pressure. Uh, Jaron Reed, Chris Jones got inside, forcing him to throw on the run, uh, which caused him to make very poor passes. Or then, you know, it would just be a, a scramble for five yards. So is Kyler Murray going to adapt to what the defenses are going to give to him? He has the weapons. He has a line. A lot of it is on him. I'm going to say 50% is on him. 50% is on uh, Coach uh, Cliff Kingsbury and see if he's a real deal or not. But it's going to be interesting to see Kyler adjust and see if he takes this leap or not, because if he doesn't, I think what we see from Kyler this year will be what we see from Kyler consistently every year. Now, what did I see from the Chiefs? Uh, Kyle Long, of course, is out with injury as well, but I saw an offensive line that uh, was a little improved, but uh, was not much improved from last year. Patrick Mahomes had to make a few throws uh, on the run as well, had a, a bad interception, trying to force a play that just wasn't there. But Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. looks great. Even when Chad Henney came in and uh, had a great you know, pass to Nicole Hardman for a touchdown, Nicole Hardman looks primed to break out. No more Sammy Watkins. It's Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, who's going to be some other wide receivers to step up. Nicole Hardman looks primed. Byron Pingle, Pringle as well. Looked really good and really fast, zipping in and out of coverages. So to me, there was a lot to learn in this game as well. The Chiefs' defense looked better as well. The addition of Jaron Reed uh, to help out Chris Jones, who shifted the defensive end. Just getting pressure on the quarterback is something special as well. This front four could be really dominant and force a lot of teams uh, to make bad decisions. And when you have a lurking safety back there in Tyran Matthew, a honey badger, that will be tough on opposing defenses. So I think the Chiefs are going to be just fine. But as Kyler Murray says, the Car- or Kyler Murray says the Cardinals have things uh, to work on in which they do before week one. What else happened? Well, the Steelers won yet another preseason game, 3-0. and uh, Ben Roethlisberger looked all right. Uh, their backup, Mason Rudolph, did as well in this game. Yes, they're playing the lowly lines. Najee Harris had a decent catch and run. They were up 23-0 to uh, before in, in the fourth quarter. They let the Lions come back, but they hung on to 
uh, to 20. But no, I'm not counting off Pittsburgh uh, just yet. They run the same offense they did last year. It will be stagnant, but they have a great defense uh, behind one of the best players in T.J. Watt. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick is back there as well. So this defense, I'm not worried about. This offense is going to be different. This offensive line that has had major overhaul. Ben Roethlisberger, a year older, a rookie in Najee Harris. No true number one wide receiver. So it is the offense. To me, they have a great enough defense to be in games and contending games. It's going to be on this offense and making plays in an AFC conference where this that requires you to make plays, where you have Josh Allen making big plays with the Bills and Patrick Mahomes uh, with the Chiefs, you know, the Steelers in this division that they're in with the Ravens and the Browns, they're going to have to make big plays. What else? Mitchell Trubisky and sort of his revenge game against the Bears was great. 20 of 28, 221 yards and a touchdown was fantastic. The Bears, Andy Dalton was good as well, 11 of 17. Justin Fields, 9 of 19. But this Bills defense looked really good. They're primed, I think, to get after the quarterback, which I thought they needed to do. They drafted a few guys to help them out. This front, this pass rush looks a lot better, which I'm glad to see because then they can truly contend with the Chiefs in the AFC. But the Bears... Justin Fields making big plays, got rocked on an illegal hit, but I think Justin Fields still gives him the best chance to win with an offensive line that isn't too good. He can make plays with his legs, extend plays, and play better. Jets Packers, Zach Wilson had a big day, 9 of 11, 128 yards, two touchdowns, got some praise from Aaron Rodgers as well, watching him on the sideline. It's good to see Zach Wilson getting acclimated with this Jets offense as well. Corey Davis uh, looked good in his kind of new role with the Jets, taking on a bigger role. I'm excited to see what Zach Wilson does. Falcons quarterback, A.J. McCarron, their backup, tore his ACL. So the Atlanta Falcons are going to have to switch to Felipe Franks or find a new backup uh, for the remaining of the season. But Tua looked a lot better in his second preseason game than he did last week against the Bears. So it's nice to see him make a little progress as the Miami Dolphins are relying on him to perform well as they have playoff aspirations. The Ravens tie the NFL record with 19 straight preseason wins. John Harbaugh loves the preseason. He should treat every game like it is a preseason game. Raiders and Vikings as well. Raiders won 17-16. Again, no uh, starters for the Rams. Rams went for it on the two-point conversion to try to win the game at the end and take the 18-17 win, but that did not work out uh, for them. And then last but not least, last night, uh, we saw Trey Lance, I think, play really well uh, in his game against the Chargers. Jimmy Garoppolo started and was all right. The 49ers receivers, both from Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo and Sudfeld, 
had the drops a case of the drop, so that was alarming to see. But I thought Trey Lance was great in his role, calmed down after that interception, uh, led them in a 30-second drive uh, to get a touchdown. Then to start the second half, had another touchdown drive as well to finish with uh, eight completions out of 14 attempts, 100 yards, two touchdowns. I thought it was a very solid day for Trey Lance. And to me, it's nice to see him get acclimated because I think he is a rookie quarterback that can just break out and has, you know, the highest potential because he has the greatest team around him to help him uh, succeed. You have Trevor Lawrence on the issues they still have in Jacksonville. Zach Wilson has looked great. Justin Fields has the weapons as well. Uh, but a poor offensive line. But Trey Lance has it all. He has a good offensive line. Uh, one of the best tackles. And Trent Williams has a decent wide receiver core. Young, but they are fast. And they can catch Brandon Ayuk. Debo Samuel, they have a good running back system as well. Offensive uh, guru and Kyle Shanahan. So a lot to like and work out with Trey Lance. Nice to see him get more comfortable in this system. You know, as they have one more preseason game left, can Trey Lance do just enough, you know, to kind of push Jimmy Garoppolo out of the starting spot or make it to at least Jimmy Garoppolo is on a very short leash and then Trey Lance can come in and do his thing. That all remains to be seen. Now, moving on to the NFL Top 100. Or the players made some more reveals yesterday, 11 to 40. So I went in last week on numbers 41 to 100 and gave my thoughts. This week I'm doing 11 to 40, but I'm going to start at the bottom of the list uh, near the 40 line and highlight some key players. Number 39 was Kyler Murray. Back on the list, number 39 uh if you look at all the players, you know, on there, on the list, it's like, I know we're comparing, you know, this past, just this past year is all we're thinking about, uh, but there are players on this list, you know, that I would rather have ahead of Kyler Murray, uh, George Kittle, you know, is there, and I'm not talking about quarterbacks, I'm just talking about players, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Justin Simmons as well, Jair Alexander, I mean, Come on, Jair is a shutdown cornerback, and he is below Kyler Murray. I mean, come on. That's not good. Justin Herbert, rookie of the year, passed for over 4,000 yards as well. I take him over Kyler Murray as well. Justin Jefferson, Mika Fitzpatrick. So a lot of love on Kyler Murray, and respectfully so. Kyler Murray was a great quarterback to start the season, but he kind of finished... Uh, not so well in that, and of course got injured, didn't even play the final game. But Kyler Murray, to me, still has a lot to prove to be just 39 on the list, I think is a little high. Marlon Humphrey at 38. I mean, are you kidding me? Marlon Humphrey, cornerback for the Baltimore Ravens. I think he's great. I think he's a great corner. He's my fourth best, but Jair Alexander is below him. Marlon Humphrey is above Jair? Are you kidding me? Are, is this for real anymore? Uh, 
what world of football are we watching last year uh, when we say Marlon Humphrey is better than Jair? Jair was shut down last year. You know, to me, top two, number two, uh, easily top three. So to have him bump below Marlon Humphrey is a huge surprise to me. And you know Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are the face of that team. But he does not get the respect he deserves, Jair, especially now by his peers who vote in this list. I was fine with Darius Leonard, okay at 37. Great linebacker, just got that mega deal. Uh, You know, is a tackle hit machine leader of this defense. So it's nice to see him get respect. David Bakhtiar at 36, one of the best offensive linemen. Another issue I had, Darren Waller, 35, tight end for the Las Vegas Raiders. I think he's a tremendous tight end pro bowler last year. But if you have to ask anybody in the NFL, George Kittle and Darren Waller, and they pick Darren Waller over in George Kittle, uh, they have some serious issues uh, with how they rank tight ends because George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the league last year was number seven on this top 100 list so to drop to 50 and have Darren Waller be ahead of him yes Darren Waller's had one good year George Kittle was hurt a little last year but when he is in the game he is a true game changer George Kittle is one of the premier football players in this league regardless of position and he means so much more to the 49ers than Darren Waller means to the Raiders as was evident last year Chris Jones is here at 34. Joey Bose is higher than him. I am fine with Jamal Adams at 31. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Jamal Adams at 31. Justin Simmons, the best safety in the league, sitting there at 45 or something like that. Jamal Adams is better than Justin Simmons, better than Minka Fitzpatrick. Have the NFL players lost their mind? What world are we in again with Jamal Adams being better than those safeties. Uh, yes, he's the highest paid at his position. Does that mean he's the best? No, it doesn't. Yes, he sacks the quarterback. I'm glad he can do that. But he can't cover. He can hardly play zone. If a man's in his zone, it's over. I mean, Jamal Adams is not that dude. If I were to pick a safety, I would not want that safety on my team. There's no hate on Jamal Adams, but... Just choose a different position, then, if safety's not really your gig. Devin White, huge appearance as well. Number 28, I thought Levante David is a little better than Devin White, just in terms of a, are we talking about career accomplishments? And of course, but Devin White had a monster season last year, monster postseason as well. I think Levante David should be higher than Devin White. I don't know how I feel about Devin Warner or Darius Leonard being uh, lower on the list than Devin White. Uh, Darius Leonard is a top three linebacker in this league, better than Devin White, so he should be higher. I was very confused about that. Nick Chubb at 26, I was fine with Bobby Wagner. I was fine at 25 until I saw Khalil Mack at 23 and Fred Warner at 21. I know Fred Warner is a great coverage linebacker. I watch him play. Hard hitter, also a big contract. But again, Fred Warner is not better than Bobby Wagner. In no world is he better than Bobby Wagner. Again, 
Bobby Wagner is the heart and soul of the Seattle defense. I mean, leading the league in tackles multiple times, eclipsing the 100 tackle mark nine years in a row, hasn't missed a season, uh, only 31, but is still super durable. I mean, this guy is all pro, pro bowler every year better than him. Something that shocked me as well on this list going on is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson last year was number one. Number one on this list out of everybody that voted, all the players, he was number one. He was the best player in the NFL by, you know, media MVP. He got the nod there, and then the players thought it as well. Now he is down to 24, dropped 23 spots. Why? When they say, oh, he's the first quarterback to produce a consecutive 1,000 rushing yards, uh, you know, passing over 2,000, rushing over 1,000. I mean, if he broke a record this year, why would he drop 23 spots? Well, simply, he wasn't good. I mean, I know he was a unanimous MVP, uh, which to me shouldn't have been a unanimous MVP. I wouldn't have voted for him as MVP when he won it. But you look at his style of play, and it's not worthy of being the best player in the league. He's a quarterback. It is not even in top 10 of passing metrics or a, a strong, big arm. That is not Lamar Jackson. Yes, he can run the ball and use his feet and scramble, but that's not in the quarterback job description. If you were to make a job description, and you know, when people make job descriptions, I've made job descriptions, and you have requirements for the job you are going to do. You have requirements, you have experience at doing these things. But then sometimes you put in there, you know, an additional spotter. You know, these would be great if you had these or, you know, add a bonus if you can do this or this. It's not required, but, you know, it'd be nice to kind of evaluate them a little bit more. So what's a job requirement for a quarterback? What's required? Well, wouldn't the number one thing be throwing the football? Seeing your pass accuracy, seeing how accurate uh, you can throw the football to your receivers. Then uh, throw power. How far can you throw it? And then is your accuracy dependent on how far you throw the football? When under duress, can you still throw the football well? Can you time it perfectly? Can you make the right reads? Can you read the defense as well? pre-snap? Can you make adjustments? Those are things that are required as a quarterback. What are additional? Well, can he scramble, make plays on his legs, juke out defenders and run? So Lamar, he has those additional requirements. Hey, those are nice. Those are some nice things. But he really doesn't have the basic requirements to do the job. And I think we're just hung up on those big plays, those Madden plays where he jukes defenders and does it. I mean, every highlight reel play that I've seen from Lamar Jackson is done on his legs. I've never seen a highlight reel play that is done by his arm. Until that happens, to me, Lamar Jackson doesn't have the respect as he does other players because 
when I have a job description and I base it on a quarterback, he doesn't have that. And yes, he has experience. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. He had, to me, he made some great throws at Louisville uh, as well as long with his legs. To me, he made better plays with his arm at Louisville than he's done in the NFL. And to me, that's why I think he's fine. 24, not even in the top 10 of this list. And last year was just an anomaly at him being number one. Then you had Dalvin Cook as well in the top 20. Third best running back on the list. I agree with that with my whole heart. Another one I have an issue with. Went off on Jamal Adams. I'm about to go off on Buda Baker, safety for the Cardinals. In what world, in any world, is Buda Baker the best safety in the league? How? It doesn't make sense. Yes, you know, he had a bunch of tackles last year. I'm glad he can tackle again another job requirement. But when your best play is getting hawked by DK Metcalf, you got to be kidding me. I mean, the most known play that you're known for wasn't even a good thing. Yes, you intercepted the ball, but another man ran you down and bum-rushed you. If Buda Baker is 19 on this list and DK Metcalf is 24, uh, there's something wrong. DK Metcalf should be higher than Buda Baker. How does Buda Baker have the highest jump in this list from last year? You know, what was it? A 78 spot improvement. So very low on this list to now number 19. I mean, are you kidding me? Have they lost their mind? Whoever is doing this? Justin Simmons, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Jesse Bates, Tyran Matthew are not as good as Buda Baker and Jamal Adams. I mean, what football games are they watching? Uh, to where they see this. And again, that DK Metcalf thing, again, he should be higher than Buda Baker. Xavier Howard at 17. If Jair's at 41 and Xavier's at 17, at least, at least move Jair up to the top 20. I know Xavier Howard had a tremendous year last year. 20 passes defended, 10 interceptions, great year. But seriously, give some love uh, to Jair. He deserves it. Miles Garrett. Very deserving of number 16. One of the best defensive players in this league. Tyreek Hill, number 15. Again, electric Alvin Kamara, second best player or second best running back in the league, sitting there at 14. Jalen Ramsey, shut down, best cornerback as well as there at 13. He's the best in this list, I agree. Here's where things get tricky now 12 and 11. Stefan Diggs is there at 11. I agree with, but Russell Wilson at number 12. Last year, he was number two, and somehow he dropped 10 spots, and he somehow had a career year. Uh, last year, I mean, the yards were about the same, but he you know, was better than he was the year before. I just don't get it. I don't. I don't, especially you know when I see Josh Allen make the top 10. Uh, in terms, I know Josh Allen had more MVP votes, and you can say that last year. But talking about a career, Russell Wilson is better uh, than Josh Allen. So this leaves the top 10. These are our top 10 players. They're not yet revealed who exactly is number 1 to 10. But they are Devontae Adams, 
Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Aaron Donald, Derrick Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and T.J. Watt. Those are the top ten. We don't know what order until next week. But if we're just basing players on this uh, list right here, this, these were just a list of ten players that you were to hand me, and I had to rank them, here's what I would rank them, these top ten yet. Number ten, Josh Allen. Why? Well, Stefan Diggs was number 11, and to me, that success is in correlation uh, like one and the same. We never saw Stefan Diggs put up those numbers with Kirk Cousins. We never saw Josh Allen put up his numbers without Stefan Diggs. So to me, they work hand-in-hand. If one's 11, you can put the other right there at 10. Nine, Travis Kelsey. Why? Well, he's not the only weapon on this team. They have Tyreek Hill sitting there at 15. Travis Kelsey is huge to this team is that safety net uh as well but should be no higher than nine eight deandre hopkins we saw kyler murray rise to 39 in this list why was it so abundant well they traded for deandre hopkins so if that correlation is there deandre hopkins should be higher because deandre hopkins has put up huge numbers in his whole career as a quarterback with deshaun watson with Matt Schaub, with you know Brian Hoyer, whoever is passing in the ball. He puts up huge numbers. It doesn't matter who's there at quarterback. So if it helps Kyler Murray out, then great. But DeAndre Hopkins has been proven that it doesn't matter what quarterback is there. That's why he's eight. Seven, Devontae Adams. He barely edges out DeAndre because Devontae is the best wide receiver in the league right now. Part of a 99 a club is the favorite receiver of Aaron Rodgers and is not only that but is a great route runner as well and has some of the greatest hands in football just doesn't drop the football at all and can break even the best coverage that we saw last year against Jalen Ramsey number six is the D one of the two defensive players on this list TJ Watt we saw TJ Watt have a monster season last year where to me he could have won Defensive player of the year. He was tremendous, led the league in sacks, uh, was ferocious in getting after the quarterback, uh, pressuring him, tackling him, running backs for loss. Uh, He was kind of a do-it-all and was the mainstay of this Steelers defense. Five would be Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is just so impactful to his team. Best running back in football by far. Most reliable running in football, back in football. He carries the Titans team, and he has done it successfully the past two years. It's hard to see a running back carry his team in the league these days like Derrick Henry has been able to do. Number four, Aaron Rodgers, MVP last year, uh, career year for him, you know, at 38 years old or however old that he is. But that correlates again with Devontae Adams, who again had his best year. Aaron Rodgers, his best year. It's sort of that symbiotic relationship. Number three, defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald. This man is a force to be reckoned with. He's so fast, so strong for a defensive lineman that it is hard to contain Aaron Donald. It really is. 
uh, the amount of times that he's double teamed, triple teamed. Sometimes even four people you see him after Aaron Donald because he is such a beast, but he breaks through it all. Has led the league in sacks as a nose tackle, uh, gets after the quarterback again, is a force uh, to be reckoned with. Out there is the biggest guy on the field. Uh, might go down as one of the greatest defensive players of all time. Number two, Patrick Mahomes. Why? Well, he is, to me, right now, the most talented quarterback in football in terms of what he can do with the ball in his hands, the way he throws the football, throws on the run, escapes pressure, uh, the way he kind of sidearms the football, the no-look pass, just everything in the job description and more Patrick Mahomes uh, gives to you A-plus effort as well as a leader. Uh, needs to work on sort of reading uh, defenses and picking up sort of a blitz, but Patrick Mahomes, uh, so far, his arm talent is undeniable. Which leaves one Tom Brady, and that's a goat. If we're going on what happened last year, Tom Brady took down Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, uh, so that would mean Tom Brady won Patrick Mahomes too, just by that logic. And not only that, but what we saw from Tom Brady last year at 40 three or 44 years old, throw for over 4,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, vintage Tom Brady goat, postseason performance, leading his team to yet another Super Bowl ring, this time the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First time there. The success that he's had in his career is tremendous, and it has done it again And Tampa Bay. That's why he's number one. So this is my top ten of what will be revealed Next week, next week we will see what the NFL players think is the top 10 in the league. But that is my top 10. Josh Allen, Travis Kelsey, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, TJ Watt, Derrick Henry, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Donald, Patrick Mahomes, and Tom Brady. Who will have the number one spot we find out next week? Will it be a new player or someone we don't know? Brady has been number one on this list multiple times, 2011, 2017, and 2018, those back-to-back years. Aaron Donald in 19, to Aaron Rodgers in 2012. Who else will we see? Will it be Patrick Mahomes get it for a first time? Rodgers his second, Brady his fourth, or Donald his second. Will it be somebody new that maybe we don't think it will be? You know, Devontae Adams, Josh Allen, Travis Kelsey, or J.J. Watt. Again, highly highly unlikely, but they did crack in their top ten for the first time. All very interesting. We'll have more on that next week when more gets revealed. Now the NBA has came out with a full schedule for all the teams. Every team knows what their schedule entails. A few breakdowns. Los Angeles Lakers, again, are in a tough division with the Clippers and Lakers and Warriors. Play them more than any other, but they are in a tough conference to me, the Western. Also, you add in there Utah and Denver and Dallas and Portland. Very tough division. Lakers have a front-loaded schedule, a lot more games at home. To start off with, 25 of their first 41 are at home, and they have a much more gauntlet of a schedule 
the second half. So finishing or starting off strong, you know, through that first 41 games, if they can have, you know, a two-game lead for first place in this conference, I really like their chances to finish at number one. It'll be difficult to do so, but I like the chances. Warriors as well, to me, start off easier, and it gets harder uh, for them. Bucks and Nets both have it difficult as well. Yes, it's easier, but Bucks have the Nets, Heat, Jazz to play You know, within their first few games. Uh, then the second month, you add in the Hawks, 76ers, Lakers they play. That is difficult as well. Same with the Nets, so they play the 76ers, uh, Hawks, Heat, Bucks sort of right away. So then, you know, even the Suns as well. So I think early on, I know it's an 82-game schedule. We're going to see a lot, but you're going to see, I think, within those first two months, October, November, you know, barring any injury, who are these teams, what are they made of, have the big deals that took into place uh, really worked out what's really going on? I think a lot will be answered within those first two months. So with that, I'm going to give you my NBA power rankings of the top five teams in the NBA right now. Starting with number five, and that is the Phoenix Suns. Why are they five when you could say they were just at two, a runner-up? Well, they've re-signed their players, which I like Cameron Payne, Kaminsky, uh, Nader. They made the trade for Landry Shamit, who I think is great, brought in JaVale McGee. Good moves, but for one question mark, is Chris Paul and locking him up to this huge deal. Is DeAndre Ayton going to get a deal anytime soon? What about Devin Booker and the extension for him? A lot of money tied to Chris Paul. But they're still there. The team is still intact and see if they can make another run in the finals or not. Number four, the Utah Jazz had a great season last year. Number one team in the league with a very disappointing second round exit to the Los Angeles Clippers with no Kawhi Leonard. But they did what they needed to do, re-sign Mike Conley uh, to run uh, the offense side-by-side with Donovan Mitchell. You boot Derek Favors and Georges Niang, and you replace them with Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside, uh, which to me is better because they are better scorers than the previous guys, and you need that with Rudy Gobert, who is not a scorer. And literally, just what we figured out from his postseason, not even to me as defensive player of the year, because he really doesn't guard one man. He's just interior paint defense that is very very limiting when you have a guy I know Ben Simmons is out there and at least he's takes a one-on-one matchup and Rudy Gobert can't even do that number three the Los Angeles Lakers some will say they were old and washed up at you know 32 years of age as their average player but I say they've got a big three in Russell Westbrook Dwight Howard I mean, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. Veteran moves of all, all-stars and Hall of Famers, Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony. Let's see what they bring to the table. Those are poised to make another run. Number two, the Brooklyn Nets. Why? 
Well, they still had their big three intact, if healthy is the best, and Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. But what is life like after that? You know, Blake Griffin doesn't inspire confidence. James Johnson is older. You traded Landry Shamet, so you added Patty Mills, who can get hot and win you a couple games, but he's coming off the bench. Joe Harris as well had a great year last year, but a horrific playoff experience. Number one, Milwaukee Bucks. They just won their first championship in 50 years. They are the team to beat. They are Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday is a big three in their own. They brought back George Hill, lost P.J. Tucker, but they made a trade for Grayson Allen, who I think is this is going to be a really you know under-the-bridge sort of trade that ends up really working out. For them, he was really good last year uh, with his role in Memphis. I expect that same role, Dante DiVincenzo, coming back from injury as well, will elevate this team because he wasn't in that postseason run as well. So there you have it. Those are my top five NBA teams, the Phoenix Suns, the Utah Jazz, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Milwaukee Bucks. Now shifting over to the NHL, Henrik Lundqvist officially retires. King Henrik, King Henry, again, one of the greatest goaltenders of all time who spent his career with the Rangers, New York Rangers team is going to retire his number 30. Uh, and I totally agree that is the right thing to do. Uh, five-time All-Star, won the Vesna Trophy as the best goaltender in 2011-12, to 12, was the best goalie for a long stretch there as well. Uh, save percentage of 918, 64 shutouts, a 243 goals against average. He was tremendous, one of the best goaltenders and one of the best players uh, to never win the Stanley Cup. Closest he got was his loss, uh, and the team's loss more so to the Los Angeles Kings in 2014, but they had their opportunities, and you can never blame Henrik Lundqvist uh, for the Rangers not winning it in his time there. Then you also have more news in the state of New York, this time Buffalo. Their number one pick, Owen Power, is returning to Michigan. Your number one pick doesn't even want to play for you. Imagine that. Imagine picking the number one player who you really want and you are not even going to play with your team. This is going to be the first time this happened since 07, 08. He's returning to Michigan. And I would too. You see the situation uh, with Jack Eichel there. They've traded uh, Sam Reinhart, Ristolainen. Jack Eichel is unhappy with his situation. Has called out the team for his injury and the way they've handled it. And you have just this terrible situation over there in Buffalo. So Owen Power says, I'm not going to play there this year. I'm returning to Michigan. I'm going to exercise my right to do so. So I think that is a very smart move for him as Buffalo is very discombobulated and a very terrible NHL team. I mean, what he could do is really pull this off and play for Michigan for his whole you know senior year and his contract could then expire with Buffalo. And then he could sign wherever he wants. That might not be a bad deal. Maybe something he looks into 
as well. Then, since I live in Arizona, the Coyotes and Glendale have, you know, not agreed to a new lease. So, after this year, the Coyotes are literally on the streets. Where will they go? Will the new uh, lease that they want to get in Tempe land? But beyond that, they're going to have to play somewhere else after this season comes to an end. So, then, then that will be interesting. And then my final topic is MLB, and that is because you have a big game tonight, and that is between the New York Yankees and the Atlanta Braves. Why do I say that? Well, they are the only teams, well, they are two teams with the longest win streak in baseball. Both teams, the New York Yankees and Atlanta Braves, are on a nine-game winning streak with Atlanta Braves winning streak, we have seen them pass the New York Mets and the Philadelphia Phillies for first in their division when they were three and a half games back. All of a sudden, they have a five-game advantage on the Phillies and a seven-game advantage on the Mets. Huge for the Braves as they faced a true tough test in the Yankees. The Yankees on a nine-game winning streak have gone from out of the playoffs, you know, three and a half games back, to a two and a half game advantage in the wild card it is the first wild card spot as they would then play Boston. They have passed Boston in the division race as well and are sitting four and a half games back of the Tampa Bay Rays, who then they are looking to catch in the AL East. So that is a huge game on tonight. The New York Yankees and the Atlanta Braves, Jordan Montgomery on the mound for the Yankees. And Huascar Yanoa for the Braves. Big game tonight for both teams. So I'm going to leave it at that. Again, what have you seen from preseason football? And out of those top 10 players left in the top 100, who would you have as number one? I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody.